in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Detroit Lions knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. A 20-16 win in Green Bay, which means the Seattle Seahawks are going to the playoffs because they beat the Rams in overtime earlier in the day. The Lions had nothing to play for and still managed to beat the Packers. Seattle is going to San Francisco. I absolutely loved Dan Campbell. Fourth and one in field goal range goes for it. And not only goes for it, they throw the ball. First down, Lions kneel the clock out and win the game. Spectacular. Did you see afterwards where Aaron Rodgers was asked for his jersey? And might have told one of the Lions that I'm going to keep keeping this, this one. one. <laughs> that, do you read anything into that? No. Not at all. It's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, his weed dealer might have wanted it. He's, yeah, he might have already promised it to his ayahuasca guy. Uh, he's insane. No, I don't read anything into that. I don't read anything into his five-minute-long walk off the field while locked arms with Randall Cobb either. <laughs> No, not at all. That was Aaron Rodgers soaking up as much attention as he could get in the last game of the season for him. Um, Here's a question for you. Did you see Rasul Douglas knock the football away on the field goal attempt? What the? Okay. So was that lions are attempting a field goal into the first half and the Packers are going to take a timeout to try to ice the kick to ice him. And right after they call the timeout, Rasul Douglas walks up. And before the long snapper can snap the ball, slaps the football. And this is before before the timeout. Timeout's taken. Douglas walks up, slaps the football almost instantaneously. Like he's looking at the sideline, sees the timeout is and called, then goes up and, and then walks the over and slaps the football. He did that so that the Lions would not get a practice practice kick, kick. which is normally what kickers do when they get iced. Right. Is he just right. snap it, kick it? Let's get a practice kick in. Right. Russell Douglas went over and slapped the football so there would not be a practice kick. It's phenomenal. I love that. It's so stupid. I don't know if it, if it, if it even helps, but I love that. Can you remember anyone doing that? Yeah, I can't either, but I absolutely love that. And I'm. It's he looked at the sidelines, so it's pretty clear that was like the coaches instructed him to do so. Like, hey, when we ice a kicker, go slap the football right. so they can't practice. It's stupid and petty, but I love that. Also in that game, by the way, when the Lions were driving to run the clock out. Yes. So they had a second and one uh, before the two-minute warning. And the Packers took an intentional offside because the Packers wanted to make it first down so then they could start burning their timeouts right. rather right, exactly. than burn it after they get a right. first down. So they take an intentional offside, which is smart by the Packers. Dan Campbell declined it. He <laughs> understood what was happening. And decline the penalty for a first down, meaning they got the first down and the Packers had to burn a timeout one play earlier than they wanted to. Phenomenal, like dumb coaching, right? Like not it's it's they're smart, but it's just like small things that don't make a huge difference. Phenomenal job by LaFleur and Dan Campbell yesterday. And LaFleur said we're gonna do it because Campbell's just not gonna know what we're doing and he's not gonna take the time. Oh, he's not might have. It. Mike Vrabel did it uh two or three years ago for Tennessee. I think it was in his first year at Tennessee. And it's it's something that should be done. If, the, if your opponent gets to second and one and you need to start burning timeouts, you should give them the first down right. because 
You don't want to waste call the, the time out right. of a play before. Right. You're stealing a play away. Right. And that's one. I will say, however, I think where LaFleur messed up on that same drive, the Lions threw the ball on second down and got called for holding on the pass, which killed the clock. The Packers accepted the penalty, which kept it second down. If they had declined the penalty, it's third, it's third down and the clock still would have been stopped. Yeah. So I think they blew that one because they got a free timeout out of it, but they accepted it anyways, and they still ended up giving up the first down because the Lions ran a hook and ladder. Oh, my God. It was amazing. On third and like 13, they ran a uh, hook and ladder to help. That got them within fourth and one or whatever, and then they sealed then the game on the next play. Phenomenal. And I we need a petition to get the Lions in the playoffs over the Seahawks. No, over the Buccaneers. <laughs> That's not, that's not, no, that's not real. Over the Seahawks. Get them in. We don't, why did the Rams have to lose? We could have had Detroit running a hook and ladder to go to the playoffs <laughs> instead of just knock Aaron Rodgers out. Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that. The Miami Dolphins are in the playoffs as the seven seed. They beat the Jets 11 to six. <sighs> this game was bad. No touchdowns scored in that game. game. Um, the Patriots lost to Buffalo. That was needed to get Miami in as well. Miami now goes to Buffalo in the first round. The coach won't be fired. Who? The McDaniel? Yeah. No. Who was firing him? Uh, oh, last I week, was, last week. I was after he sent. Uh, <laughs> after yeah. he sent Tua back out. They were atrocious reports. They were stupid reports. But I like read. Well, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, it was completely stupid. In what world were you firing Mike McDaniel? That's what I thought when I read the report. <laughs> If Mike McDaniel got fired, Mark Davis should hire him immediately. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, they're stupid reports. But now we're going to get a playoff game where they're going to lose by 30 because they they couldn't score yesterday with Skylar Thompson. I guess maybe Teddy Bridgewater is going to be able to play, and that's... No, Miles said they'll get three. Slightly better. That's fair. That's true. Uh, 31 to three, so they lose by 28. Uh, I just... It, I almost, looking back on it, we said last week we wanted Miami to make it. Looking back, I think I... I'd rather have New England or Pittsburgh because both of those teams maybe have a defense capable of, of making it a little tough on Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo ended up running away from New England, but New England actually had a chance in that game. And if they don't yeah. give up two kickoff returns, they might right. actually win the they game. They might have actually won the game. I Miami's going to be tough to watch, even with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. Yeah. If it's Skylar Thompson again... They, they don't have a shot in this one. They don't have a shot if it's Teddy Bridgewater. They probably wouldn't have a shot if it was Tua, Tua. anyways, but they'd at least score a lot of points because that's what they did when Tua was in there, score a lot of points and then give up a lot of points too. Daddy had a breakaway. The Bengals beat the Ravens to secure the three seed and a home game. There will be no coin toss to determine home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs. The Bengals will host the Ravens and your seeding Kansas City gets the one, Buffalo gets the two, Cincinnati gets the three. If Buffalo and Kansas City meet in the AFC Championship, Allegiant Stadium, it will be at a neutral site. You think that'll be here? Uh, dome? Well, it's going to have to be a dome. And, and uh, cheapest uh, flights in? Yeah, this would probably be a really good spot. Is it Sam Farmer flights in? tweeted that it can't be Indy. Indy che- and Detroit are out. They've got uh, things scheduled. Indy was a volleyball tournament, I believe, and Detroit is said we're redoing our field and we're not postponing that for you. So Indy and Detroit were the two Midwest domed options. Um, Does it have to be indoors? I will say someone made the argument that since both these teams 
play right. outdoors during the winter, it would actually make more sense to force them to play right. outside. But I want to see the. I score. mean, I do too. I, I see them score. I do Dallas too. if they're out. So you actually have a lot of options if you're willing to put this anywhere. Uh, in the yeah, country. if you're willing to go outdoors, Dallas, Vegas. Technically, L.A. L.A. If they're out, right? I mean, the Chargers and Cowboys are still in the playoffs, but the right. if odds out, of them hosting, even right. if they're still playing, right? They're the five seeds. The odds of them hosting anything are basically zero. So, Dallas, Phoenix, Vegas, L.A. are all indoor stadiums that you could say that that works. If Minnesota got eliminated, you could do Minnesota's an indoor. But I still don't like. I would put it indoors if it was up to me. But you don't have to. Like, if you want to keep it in the Midwest or Northeast, like Cleveland, New York, like there's plenty of outdoor stadiums you could probably go to and play this game. So I'm I'm curious what the NFL does. I'm also I think curious. They go indoors. Do they have do do they have to make a decision now, or can they wait until it happens to decide? I mean, I think you start talking to places now and say, yeah. hey, do you, like they already figured out Indianapolis and Detroit has things scheduled. You've got to see if people have things scheduled. But I don't know if you make a final determination until this thing's, you know, until it's decided that they have to have a neutral site. Allegiance to the Raiders are going to say no because they're gonna be like, oh, we needed a whole week to get the field in and out. Sorry. <laughs> Mark Davis said Las I, Vegas I, is ready. I, I, I was Vinny Bonsignori. Las get, Vegas is ready. They got to know right now, game. though, because if they got only have two weeks notice, they won't be able to get the field indoors. <laughs> By the way, the field looked like crap again against yep. Kansas City. What happened? No, no, UNLV hasn't played in a couple of months. <laughs> Plus, it's been rainy, so you would think yeah. the field would be, be growing. It looked like it looked terrible in that Kansas City game. Like I, not great. I couldn't see the field. It's not too much red. <gasps> a lot of red there. Got Stay tuned for Grainy's greats. A lot of red. I. Uh, what was the question again? Sorry, I just got the, <laughs> the Cowboys lost to the Commanders, twenty-six to six. Here's das- Dak Prescott's line. 14 of 37 for 128 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Is Dak Prescott any good? 15 interceptions, and he missed five games. That is not good. That is not good. Got to bring back Romo. Just ridiculously bad. You just know, you know, I mean, they play like that this week against Brady is over. And two, three weeks ago, the way their offense was running, and that's the thing I don't, I didn't understand. They had two or three straight weeks where their offense was the best offense in football. You're like, right. oh man, they are just they they could win the Super Bowl the way with that offense. And I don't know what's happened. I don't know if Dak Prescott's any good. Like I should, I guess I should be leaning towards no because of what they've looked like the last few weeks. But the offense was phenomenal for the majority of the season until recently when he was the quarterback. I just, I don't know if Dak Prescott's any good. So something that I always thought about him was when he came into the league, he came into the league with the best offensive line in football, the best offensive line so much so that I think at one point Bill Barnwell of ESPN was saying they should be the MVP as a unit, the Cowboys offensive line. So I'm thinking this is like the first, and we've seen it sporadically, but this is the first time it's like, oh, dude, you got to do this. This is all you, Dak. But he's, he's had really good games. Like this year, right. he's oh, yeah. been awesome. And I think it's one of those when all the dials are lined up perfectly. Excellent. Anything's off. He is terrible. That's going to be like a silence. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be like a 1913 final, isn't it? Tampa and Dallas. 
Yeah. Like every, I feel like every game the Bucks play, they don't score until right. the fourth right. quarter. Exactly. And then, oh, yeah, that's, I got two touchdown drives in me. That's the other thing. Uh, I haven't been on Twitter, but every time I'd watch a Bucks game, Twitter would be like, why don't you just have them run the hurry-up offense the entire game? Because <laughs> it's literally just Brady out route, Brady out route, Brady across the middle, handoff, Brady across the middle. Okay, we're in field goal range. You guys couldn't put together like a two-yard run. Those are great. That's that's another great question. UNLV is hiring Britton Marion as their next offensive coordinator, according to Bruce Feldman. So they lost Bobby Petrino to Texas A&M. Marion was the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator at Texas last season. He has been an offensive coordinator before at William and Mary and at Howard. He you was the this offensive game? coordinator. Ooh, about yeah. this game. Here we go. He was there when Howard beat UNLV. That's like a forty-point dog. Yes. Uh, he has been a position coach at Oklahoma, Hawaii, Pitt, and Texas in his career. Uh, I neither I of us don't know. We're not going to pretend to know him. about no Brendan Marion, no. um, but his track record seems to be solid. Not necessarily anything amazing, but solid. And offensive coordinator at Howard for the biggest spread upset in college football history. We were there. Yeah. Coming back full circle for UNLV. Coming up next, we'll jump into the Golden Knights after they lost five to one to the LA Kings. Left circle. It's a six on five now. Penalty is over. Kessel straight on. Passes left. Watt to the left. Marcia so he scored. The referee didn't point at the goal, which is why I hesitated. It went into the net and back out. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The Golden Knights lost to the Kings on Saturday, 5-1. to uh, They don't play again until Thursday either. So uh, break here for the Golden Knights. Probably not the game you want to have going into that break. A couple of interesting points in this game. Logan Thompson got pulled after the yeah. second period. After making the All-Star team. Uh, yeah, that's right. His first start after making yeah. the All-Star game. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, when asked about it, said he just wanted to let Aiden Hill get in on the fun sarcastically because it wasn't a very fun game for the Golden Knights. Um, I, I'm curious. When you have a goalie that very much cares about what, what people pe- think, what people say and think, right? That's uh, Logan Thompson's yeah. made that very clear. If you're a coach and you pull a goalie, how careful do you have to be about what you say when asked, hey, why'd you pull Logan Thompson? I think you have to be somewhat careful only because you know he's going to hear everything and you don't want him to completely lose confidence. Like, if you sit up there and just completely rip him, as and Bruce Cassidy has to know he's this way. I mean, they, they read stuff. They hear right. stuff. They know. So they, they know he's very sensitive. Um, so I think Bruce Cassidy would be kind of smart enough not to sit up there and just totally tank him. And that Because that was the interesting part to me is that Bruce Cassidy – his answer was not, oh, Logan Thompson wasn't good enough for me. His answer was, we sucked tonight, and I just wanted to get a different goal right. in there. Like, it was very much that he... He put it on everybody. Right, and in my mind, that might have been a case of where Cassidy might have been saying, oh, I can't just rip Logan Thompson right. for this. It might not go well. Might lose him for the next right. three games. So I thought that was interesting. Now, Cassidy wasn't necessarily wrong. Right, the Golden Knights were not very good in that game. It wasn't just a Logan Thompson problem whatsoever. So, but I, I am. We might, we might need to overanalyze 
what Cassidy says about Logan Thompson for the rest of the season, just to try to read between the lines on if they're careful with what they say. Right? About him. How careful is he? Because how careful is he? Cassidy doesn't appear to be the guy that's very careful about what he says. No, afterwards. in fact, I think he's overly honest right most of the time about who plays well who doesn't play well what they need what they didn't get yeah and when it comes to him if we if we keep you know focusing on what he says about him it will be interesting if he's like holding back or maybe logan thompson's good when people are ripping on him and he needs that what if we get to a point where cassidy's like hey you need to re-download twitter and read what all these idiots say about you (laughs) that's what gets you motivated Total reverse psychology. Yes. Just, okay, you don't want to download Twitter? All right. I printed off tweets <laughs> from people ripping you, and Just I put them in tweets. your locker. Yes. yes. I'm going to read the... Jonathan Marshall, get up here and read these tweets to Logan Thompson <laughs> before the game. I would love that. That'd be great. If he's like, oh, you deleted it? Well, don't worry. You're getting to hear it We've anyways. got a bunch of guys who are on Twitter, and they can they can print those out for it. Flurry forever 3271 <laughs> says... <laughs> forever <laughs> oh my god bgk we... ladies nine seven six one <laughs> we just set up a festivus hotline <laughs> for logan call, thompson yeah just call him set him a voicemail call in and complain to logan thompson. logan thompson and then you just like you know you just send it straight to his phone you have 19 new voicemails <laughs> <laughs> the other interesting part of this game is the line combinations that we have seen from bruce cassidy they got Jonathan Marcheseau back. Um, the initial fix or plan, Jonathan Marcheseau uh, filled in where Nick Waugh was. Marcheseau now playing with Jack Eichel, and Nick Waugh bumped down to the fourth line. Uh, Michael Amadio stayed with the first line. However, they weren't very good. They had a six, The first line with Michael Amadio in that game had a 16% expected goals rate. So Amadio eventually got pulled off the top line, and instead Paul Cotter got bumped up. Um, surprisingly, once they changed the lines around, Amadio Carlson and Kessel were the best line. Now, granted, most of that came in the third period when they were getting crushed. But we thought after the last game, they had a good line combination going. And one game later, they lose five to one. Cassidy shuffling in game. I'm I'm uh. curious where he goes. Five days off, does he just go back to let's put Amadio on the top line, let's try to make this depth work where we have four good lines instead of just two good ones? Or is he bumping Eichel back up? Right. Or are we seeing Eichel, Stevenson, and Stone yeah. back together again? Um, that's what I'm curious to see. There was, there, there's been, uh, Ken Bolke of Sinbin wrote about this. We saw, for the most part in this season, Eichel, Stevenson, and Stone. Stone. And the interesting part there is that you have two centers on that line and Chandler Stevenson and Jack, and Jack Eichel. Eichel. Before Marshall came back, when Eichel came back for one game and they played really well, Nick Waugh was on the line with Jack Eichel. Nick Waugh is a center. In this game against LA, they put Marshall in that spot. Marshall is not a center. I wonder if there's some element to Jack Eichel, uh, playing at his best when there's another center on With his him? line. I wonder if there's anything to that or if it, I mean, it's still all fairly small sample size. We're halfway through one season, but I do wonder if there's anything to that. And if, if you're Cassidy, right, we've, we talked about last week, you can go Eichel, Carlson, Stevenson, Wah, as that, those are your four centers, line them up. You're really good at center. I wonder if there's anything to, Hey, 
that's less important than giving Eichel one of those centers as a winger on his line. I wonder what, why would that be true? Handles the responsibilities a little bit more of what a defensive center is supposed to do because that was the knock on Jack Eichel before he came to Vegas was, is he going to give you the defensive effort that you need him to give as a true superstar number one center? And he's done that. There's been no complaints about that, but I do wonder if there's some sort of shared responsibility that, hey, when Stevenson's out there or Nick Waugh, whoever it was, they help share those responsibilities and it's less on Jack Eichel to do so. I don't know if that's it. It might be nothing at all. There might be nothing to it other than just, hey, he plays well with Mark Stone and it doesn't matter who his line mate is with him and Mark Stone, but that might be something that Cassidy has to figure out. The other part of this, because we've talked about line combinations the entire season. Because of injuries, because of lack of depth for the third line, because of just guys getting hot and cold throughout the season, do you think when we get to game one of the playoffs, we'll know 100% for sure what their best line combinations are? I think when I think by the time that he will know. I, I don't think, think I think we won't. You don't think so? I think we're going to get there and we're going to be having a conversation. You think he'll be changing as much as he does now? Probably not as much, but I think we're going to get to the postseason and it's going to be a genuine conversation about what should the lines be. Because, again, injuries always well, happen. Well, we also don't know who's going to be available. Right. And, like, we get, like they, might be, they might be close to full health, but then Riley Smith's out. And right. all of a sudden, you're like, oh, what the hell do we do? Right. Like, you could be almost fully healthy and then lose one guy in the last it week. It mixes everything up. Right. And so I'm I'm curious to see because I feel like I feel like they've they don't have enough depth that you can just kind of roll out whatever you want. And I think he's going to have to choose on a nightly basis in the postseason, and maybe even throughout the regular season, but more importantly in the postseason. I think he's gonna have to choose. Do I want as much depth as possible? Or, or do I want top-heavy? Or do I want the two best possible right. lines I can make? Because if he wants the two best possible lines, it's Stevenson, Stone, and Eichel, and, and it's the, the misfits. misfits. And then your third line, you just don't play them very right. much. If you're going for depth, you've got to break Spread up those centers out. Those two lines. You've got to, you know, right now it's Carlson playing on the third line with... Right. Cotter, Amadio, Kessel, some combination of those wingers, right? But I and I think when they get into the postseason, it might simply be a matchup thing, and there might be a, an opponent, whoever their first round opponent. He might say, "We're better off if we load up our top two lines," or he might say, "We're better off if we have some depth." And then, hey, we're losing. We're loading up the top two lines. But I, I do think we're having that conversation come uh, round one of the playoffs. What's their best line combination? I mean, I guess it depends on matchups. It doesn't seem like it's the most you know, desired truth, if that's what you're saying is going to happen. But I guess right. it depends on matchups, and, and he can mess with his lines if, if he, like you said, what it depends on what he wants. But I would think he'd rather be set with his lines going into the playoffs. I So between now and, I don't know, the last 10 games of the regular season, I actually wouldn't mind if he just tried out, maybe not random, but just tried out a bunch of different combinations just to see what, things look like to know what his options are and granted through injuries they've already tried out a bunch of combinations but I do wonder if it's hey you're in first place and not that they should take that for granted based on last year but hey you're in first place you've got a little bit of breathing room you can try out a few combinations if for a period or a whole game or something like that and see if certain guys play well together and then when you get into the postseason you can make a decision with a whole bunch of evidence rather than oh 
these three have only played together for six minutes and 30 seconds all year. Right. We're going to try it in the playoffs. Right. I wouldn't mind them really trying a bunch of different lines over the course of the next two months or whatever it is. And then once you get to that final stretch of the regular season, right, you start putting together, this is exactly how I want it to look. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Lindsey Brown joins the show. Blitz comes. Rodgers throws deep down the right sideline. It is intercepted by the Lions. Kirby Joseph's got it to the 45, to the 50, and into Green Bay territory where he shoved out of bounds. Man, I wanted to be part of building a brand new brand, you know? And so I like that, and, that, and that's the point. But I also know you want to do that, man. You, you really got to get in the dance. You got to get in the tournament, and then you got to make some waves in the tournament. So that's the next step. The Lions can end this ball game right here. Fourth and one from the Green Bay 15. These Packers fighting to get in the playoffs. The Lions fighting to get this ball game right here. They're going to go empty. Goff takes the snap, back, looks, throws, caught. First down, Detroit Lions. DJ Chark down inside the 10-yard line. This game is over. Yes. It is over. This team has just hung in there all year long. I said it. It's a special group, and it's and the hard part of this is that it's over. But hey, that's uh, if you got to go down that one. If it's the last one for the season, then man, uh, what better way to go out than than that for 2022? We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now on ESPN Las Vegas is. Lindsey Brown. Uh, Lindsey was the Packers getting eliminated by the Lions better than any Vikings game this season. Yes. Yes. But <laughs> first and foremost, Tyler, how does it feel to be wrong? That's just, I, I want to lead with that. Cause you were, you, you switched your allegiance on Friday when I was in I there did. and you're like, you know what? I'm going to root for the Packers just so Lindsey can suffer. And you know what? The hockey gods have our back. Even on football fields, they have our back. I don't think it's the hockey gods. I don't think it's the hockey Hockey gods, Lindsay. It's not happening. (laughs) Not happening there. Um, So, yeah, the Packers are eliminated. I don't get to cheer for the Packers to eliminate the Vikings at any point in the postseason, which is unfortunate. The Vikings eliminate themselves. Yeah, they'll get eliminated. I know. But I just wanted all of the Minnesota people we have on the show to deal with. Oh, Aaron Rodgers knocked you out again. All right. Fine. Oh, well. Maybe next time, but he'll probably be in a different division. Oh. Nah, probably not. Don't you think he's leaving? No, no, they can't actually trade him. Like he's his his dead cap hit would be like ninety million dollars. It's either retirement or he's back. I think they finagle some way, some form of of getting him out of there because I don't think Aaron Rodgers in the post game scrum of one of the Lions players after his series that I'm gonna keep this one. Like, what what do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's a weirdo. He might want to keep it for God knows what. He's turning it into a bed sheet or something like that. It might be what he's doing. He's another ayahuasca trip to help figure things out, I guess. Uh, you went to Montreal? A few summers ago, oh. I did. Oh, wow. what happened? That was during my, my music festival hopping days. And I mean, they're not over, but let's just say we've had to take a little bit of a detour to try to solidify our career here. But. Uh, I went up there for the Il Sonique Music Festival with a few of my former teammates, and we had a heck of a time at the festival and a heck of a time at all of the clubs. And um, let me tell you, the, there are no ruder people than the French Canadians. They, they go through the crowds with elbows up. But um, we had some life experiences that, let's just say, I don't want to say they scarred us, but they just impacted us in, in a big way uh, in terms of our Gavin DeGraw fandom. Gavin DeGraw, Mr. Uh, National Anthem. Yeah, 
because when we were there the first night in Montreal, he uh, sang the anthem, and when we were at a male strip club in Montreal, a guy came out in a man bun and proceeded to strip down and just put his stuff on a singular coat stand. And I was just like, if you're going to do Gavin DeGraw, at least do Chariot. Like, this is not the song to pick, guys. Like, the Chariot, I would think, is just a little bit more swingy of the hips and stuff. But it was just such a bizarre experience that I'll, I'll never forget. It. And every single one of my friends texted me because I posted that tweet to my Instagram and they were sending me videos and stuff like that. Not of the strip club. That's not allowed. But of just the aftermath of, of that experience because um, it was it was an interesting one. <laughs> Our number one critic of strip club music choice is uh, Lindsey Brown with us on the what press a title. box. Yeah, it's a good one for you now. Uh, can you explain to us what you asked to confuse Bruce Cassidy on Saturday? Well, what I asked him, I saw this play where it seemed like the defenseman kind of pushed off against the wall early in the offensive zone when the Knights had offensive possession and I thought that was interesting maybe it's an anomaly because it's a really big risk for them to kind of slide to their left and leave that strong side board open because you could have an LA King or whoever skater up high to disrupt that and maybe go on a one-on-oh a two-on-oh the other way and so I asked Bruce about it and he said he didn't remember the specific play and I don't know why he would remember the specific play but uh, regardless, it was it was just an interesting kind of decision, and maybe it was on accident, but it could offer a different type of look because he's talked in the past about changing the angles of shots and not just taking them from the top of the point because then you're just straight on with the goalie. The goalie doesn't have to do that much work. You want to get him moving from side to side. And so Alex Petrangelo has the, that type of command of, of, of his offense, of the team, and so maybe I need to ask him more directly about it, but – Either way, uh, it was probably not my best question to ask Bruce after they got blown out at home by their arch rival. But if I didn't ask it that night, how could I expect him to remember that play on the days following? You know, and so I was just like, we gotta, we gotta sacrifice ourselves. And he, uh, he kind of answered it. At least he wasn't mean about it. So I, no, I'll I wish it. he would have yelled at you. I wish he would have been, been mean been. about it. Would have been better. I probably, I probably would have never asked another question. So I'm glad he <laughs> no. <did. laughs> Your questions are the best. Very specific. No, well, I know that well, that one was extra specific, but yeah, I still get my heart rate spikes every time I go in there and I ask a question. And so it's just I don't know why. It's I think it's because I'm scared of questioning authority in a hockey environment because we're that's beaten out of us from a young age. But I'm getting better. That certainly helps because I didn't back down from it. So, uh, how was the fan fest? I look at you and Ryan, hockey guy. He, you've got the thumbs up. What did you think about that? It was. I couldn't believe it. And we were at the front of the stage, so we didn't really fully understand how many people were there. But I don't know why I would question it to be any other way because this is just a fan base that's so engrossed with this organization. The players looked like they were in good spirits. Like I said, didn't have the greatest game the, the night before. But we talked to Alex Petrangelo. We talked to Paul Cotter for a hot second. We talked to Dave Goucher. Goucher, Goucher, my goodness, Gooch. We have so many great personalities in this town. And – uh, it was just, it was a great time. It was really hard because we were directly in front of the stage. And so it was bumping behind us. And so I think I heard more music than the actual chatter in our ears. And it was definitely a, a exercise in rising above adversity. But regardless, it was a great first time um, show for me with Ryan. And, and I had a, I had a, I had a blast. I got, I attempted to get Chance's autograph on my hand, but his marker didn't work. And so only the real ones know.
you wanted his autograph on your hand? Well, I didn't, I didn't have a piece of paper. I didn't want him to sign my laptop. So I was just like, I'll show him some skin on my hand and please sign it. And the marker didn't work. And so I was just like, well, I felt it. You saw it. Ryan witnessed it. We talked about it on air, but ultimately I, I wasn't able to uh, get the signature that I wanted. So it's a, it's a continued pursuit for me. I miss that. Who? Chance. Your favorite mascot. Chance, the mascot. Oh, he literally no. ziplined above oh, everybody. No. It was awesome. Oh, no. What? You, uh, you what do you mean? Ed does not like Chance. No. I don't know. No. It's got to be. It's, it's the only good mascot in town. From the beginning. Like from the beginning. I, I prefer Buckets for many reasons. Buckets, it's horrifying. Buckets, <laughs> the meth-addicted rabbit. Buckets is horrifying. Who's, who's Buckets? The Aces mascot. The Aces mascot. Whose eyes oh. are two different directions. Don't look in, don't look in Buckets' <laughs> eyes. You don't know what happens after that. Don't look at them. Um, all right. Do you think Bruce Cassidy has to be careful with what he says about Logan Thompson when he talks to the media? Yes, I do. Do you think and, and he was think... doing that after when he got asked about pulling him on Saturday? Do you think he was doing that on Saturday? Yes, I will. I do. And the thing is, guys, is like it's not that big of a deal. I know that you guys are going to read into this probably and be like, oh, if we have to protect a guy, then he's soft, and then if he's soft, like we, we, we can, he's easily manipulated. And he didn't play well on Saturday, but that happened. That happened when you when I saw that that second goal that he let in where he kind of kicked his his stick from his legs a, a, as the puck hit his stick and then it went directly to the to the um, Kings player on the back door. I I I coach kids who do that all the time. Lerapersois did it the other night and Henderson as well. And that's just a sign of a guy that's trying to do too much right now. And and we talked about how Logan Thompson how explosive he is, how he can kind of get outside of himself, outside of his crease. And ultimately, you have to press different buttons because Bruce Cassidy was very honest about him, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago about his play and how he needed to be better. He gets named to the All-Star game this week. He had that quote in the newspaper with Adam Hill last week as well. And so he's, he's somebody that you have to manage, and that's okay because he's a young guy. You don't need to burn these guys to the ground just because they make a mistake. It's one game. And, and you just kind of move on from it. You have to just read what the player needs at that moment and then act accordingly. And so I think it's just a, a great indicator of how malleable a coach Bruce Cassidy is and how considerate a coach he is. See, I actually think Cassidy needs to start printing out hate tweets and reading them to Logan Thompson before each game. Might, might play better. Well, it, it might get, it will certainly elicit a response. I just don't know if it's the one you want. <laughs> so I, I just think, well, when you're a goaltender, you already feel like you're on an island, uh, just as is. And so you want to have these moments of support. And sometimes, like I said, you have to barb them. Like you have to challenge him. That's what's going to get the best out of him. But you can't go to the same well every time because then it's going to lose its its function. He's not going to respond the same way. And ultimately you could do further damage. I'm not saying that there's damage already done, but you could do damage to his psyche, to his confidence. And you need him feeling good. He's your starting net miner this year. He's an all-star. He's played great this season. He's just going through a little bit of a wall. And I said before the season started, they're going to have to be patient with him because he's going to be great, and then he's not going to be great sometimes too. And that's just something that has, he has to work through as a young goaltender. It's hard to do when you have a team with very high expectations. It's not like Anaheim where you just throw him to the wall and say, go save pucks and get better. And so it's, it's a very intricate dance, but one that I think Cassidy's handling well. 
He can save it for the postseason. Game one of the postseason. Here's a list of all the tweets you've missed while you deleted yeah, Twitter. Yeah, there you go. There we exactly. Go. Get, I, a, get a little hype video going. I got it's this like Sean Payton's going to do for Russell Wilson. All right. She's Lindsey Brown. Lindsey, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Lindsey. Hey. Uh, so, Lindsey Brown. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get a little bit more into the NFL because the Jags are going to the postseason one year after Urban Meyer tried to ruin them. Holmes looks that way. Now moves to his left, holds the ball, holds it. Now he's going to shovel it late. He's got McKinnon. Touchdown, Kansas City on a basketball shovel pass. Straight ahead to the amazing Jarek McKinnon. And now Mahomes ties an NFL record. Since 1963, the most passes combined to tight ends and running backs. And the Chiefs get a touchdown on their first drive of the game. Ronald Jones, the second, is in the backfield. They had McKinnon there. He goes in motion to a tight wing right. Ronald Jones, the second, blast behind left guard. Touchdown, Kansas City, the secret weapon. we just been waiting to use him. Under center is Mahomes. They come on a jet sweep to Tony at the 10 on the angle. Breaks a tackle inside the five. Near front, pylon, touchdown, Kansas City. It just took one more play, and the Chiefs run a jet sweep. They're down, goal to go at the one handoff. Pacheco blasts into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Yeah, I live a fast life. Yeah, you know I live a fast life. I don't got a type, baby, I'm a cash type. Still getting dividends. The Jaguars beat the Titans 20-16 to 16 on Thank Saturday. Goodness. Got a defensive touchdown in the fourth quarter to give Jacksonville the lead. Otherwise, the Titans actually had a chance to win that with Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. Um, so, Jags are going to host the Chargers in the first round of the postseason. How far do you think the Jaguars can go? Is this a team that's going to win one game? I think they could win one game at home and then they would be eliminated. Because and I'd like to see it. They would probably be going to Kansas City Yeah, in the second game. Now, if there's an upset, they could be going to Buffalo instead. Or, I think they could beat Buffalo. Uh, or Cincinnati. In um, Buffalo? Yeah. So, the Jags are in the postseason. One year removed from having the worst record in the league. One year removed from Urban Meyer. Uh, nearly Being a complete disaster. Um, quick aside, Urban Meyer, the worst head coaching job in NFL <laughs> history. <laughs> this might have proven uh, it. The Browns I'm, went I'm one. Pretty sure UNLV <laughs> lost that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he didn't even finish his first but, year. But what did Atlanta do the next year? I'm like, on cause, it because I think that's that's part of the key here. Is there's well, a well, lot how of, you how you follow it up? Right. There's a lot of disastrous right. head coaching jobs, right. but. The Jags are disaster a two years in a row. Team. Right. The Jags are a playoff team. Like yeah. Urban Meyer had Trevor Lawrence and the makings of a playoff team, and they were the worst team in the league. And he didn't finish the season, and he stayed behind after a Thursday night game and uh, felt a lady up at a bar. I was going to say, he, he went to, I think it was his bar in Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> he owns the bar. Yeah. So <laughs> Urban Meyer, phenomenal job there. Um, the the question that I asked Miles Simmons earlier that I'm sort of fascinated to see if this is how is is this going to be the lens we view Herbert and uh, Lawrence through. Lawrence through 
is what? Oh, go ahead, Jared. The 08 Falcons went 11 and five. All right, all right. Bobby Petrino is the worst NFL coach in history. We're right there. Urban Meyer is number two. So, so the but what I'm curious to see is the narrative that we view Lawrence and Herbert through, based on after what Joe Burrow did. Joe Burrow goes to the Super Bowl, doesn't win it, but goes to the Super Bowl, and then follows that up this season by winning the division. And by, you know, hosting a playoff game, we sort of view the Bengals. I don't know if we view them as good as Kansas City and Buffalo, but they're close. They're close to being in that same category as Kansas City and Buffalo going into this postseason. And, like, obviously, Herbert or Lawrence, one of them has to win a playoff game because they play each other. But then let's say, whatever, if it's the Jags or the, the Chargers, whoever wins goes to Kansas City, loses by two touchdowns, and the season's over. Do we look at Herbert and Lawrence say, well, yeah, that's you had a nice season and all, but you, you didn't do what Joe Burrow did last year. I mean, so when are you going to do that? I think that's what we do, right? We we collect people together in terms of what their experience is. Right. We comparative. We compare each other. Do we compare them to each other? So I think that's a good point by you and I. Um, Miles did as well in terms of Burrow now being the standard of this younger group and what others do in it. And yeah, I mean, if they go. Well, whoever loses this week is not going to be comparative to him very well. Right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they can't win a game. But, yeah, I mean, if they go and lose by two touchdowns and Cincinnati gets to the AFC Championship again, then, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to compare these three guys. Does Josh Allen belong in that same category yeah. as Herbert and Burrow and Lawrence? I think so far he does. Because they, they do have an AFC title game appearance um, with Josh Allen two years ago. But has not been to the Super Bowl, hasn't won the AFC, has been great in the regular season, obviously. He's won the division. Um, but it's just, it's God, it's a fascinating standpoint in the AFC right now because the way we view it, it's with quarterbacks, it's almost like the same way we do in the NBA. Where, like Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, they were the worst team in the league last year. Them winning the division, them being in the playoffs, if they win a playoff game and then lose to Kansas City, that's a phenomenal turnaround. And but but the way we view quarterbacks is the way we view NBA teams and NBA superstars is well did you win the championship right how many rings do you have <laughs> do it in the playoffs then do it in the championship right how many rings do you have yeah and only one of these guys can do it and they're none of them are the best because Patrick Mahomes is in the AFC because yeah. Patrick Mahomes is like <laughs> oh I'll flip this underhand like I think it's comparative but the, as well as the Bengals have been don't you think the overall evaluation of people is that Josh Allen's the best of all of them. Yes. Yes. I well not including Mahomes. No, no, you take him out. No, yeah, yeah. Not, so the, the Burrow healthy Allen Lamar Herbert, Jackson and Lamar. Herbert. Oh. Healthy Lamar Jackson, yeah, I would take Lamar over Jackson. Allen. That is a good point. But, but the problem is never healthy. healthy. So you know, so. Yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> right, he hasn't played. It's it's just a it's a it's the narrative that I think we're going to look at these quarterbacks through, and it's completely unfair. Because only one of them can even go to the Super Bowl. And hell, only two of them can even play in the AFC title game. Right. Like, that's it's it's incredible because if you're if like if you're the Chargers and you have Justin Herbert, you have your franchise quarterback. For the next ten years. But there's a legitimate chance you have the fifth best quarterback in the yeah. division for the next ten years. And that's a brutal place to be because I mean it's better than where the Raiders and Broncos are, but it's brutal because if if you end up having the fifth best out of these guys, and if you throw Lamar in there, maybe you have the sixth best. 
are you are you winning anything in the next decade? Not with the not with the yeah. one quarterback that we won't include in this ahead of you. Right. And so it's it I all I'm saying is I feel bad for ultimately the guys who lose in the first or second round among these quarterbacks because we're probably going to see a lot of piling on when in reality they're like five of the seven best quarterbacks in the league cuz look at who's in the NFC. 